0: You are listening to the Reality Steve Podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Clayton's season of The Bachelor and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. Up everybody! Welcome to podcast number two seventy two. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you this week. We got your reader emails. We're about halfway through the season. A little bit, I guess, through the season. And yes, we did have a guest set for today. They had to reschedule. We're gonna do her next week, and you're gonna like that one. I believe we haven't recorded it yet. But they got busy and we had to postpone it. So I was like, let's just do some reader emails. So we'll get to these momentarily. I did want to talk about something that I was having a recent conversation with a friend about in regards to my site and, you know, the gossip tea, whatever you want to call it. The We've talked about it enough. And I can share something now that crossed my mind and something that about a year ago I was thinking of doing and you know you you're all familiar with the um Instagram account Dumois and you know that my issues what my issues are with it they are a site that literally says on their own homepage that what they print basically isn't vetted and they don't even know if it's true or not. I mean, if you want to get the exact wording, hold on, I will, I'll pull it up. I should have had this pulled up, but, um, the exact wording is statements made on this account have not been independently confirmed. This account does not claim any information published is based in fact. So yeah, they just print anything sent to them and people just run with it as fact. That's the problem. It literally says nothing is fact yet. Everyone takes it as fact because they'll send it to me and say, did you hear that? So, and so this is referring to so-and-so, isn't it? And it's like, I'm referring to anything. They're making stuff up or they're just posting stuff that is sent to them without doing any vetting. But there was a time where, I was thinking of doing whatever you want to call them, blind items on my site, only dealing with Bachelor Nation people. But my thing was I would never give the answers, you know, because then that would be outing people for some probably pretty bad shit. I wouldn't be posting stuff like, hey, this person bought 10 boxes of Girl Scout cookies last week. No, I'd be posting stuff that would be um, not positive And not paint them in the greatest of lights. Because of all the stuff that I've heard over the years. Like, you know I've heard a lot of things. And I've seen a lot of things. And I was like, well, there's obviously a market for it. Because Dumois would not be as popular as they are if people didn't care about gossip. People love gossip. You all love gossip. You would love it if I did it. (laughs) I mean, just look at it this way. Let's just say like every Wednesday... I came out with a new, quote, you know, blind item. And it said, like, and I'm completely making this up. So aggregators, do not take this out of context. Do not say that Reality Steve is accusing someone of the French. No. What I'm about to say is completely made up, okay? I'm just using it as an example of something that I know that you people would love. Let's just say I threw a blind item out there of... Someone in the bachelor franchise is known as the main drug dealer and most people get their drugs from them. You don't think that there would be, that would make the rounds. It would get a shit ton of guesses from people. Oh, I think it's this person. And here's the other problem with it because I would never reveal, I mean, like I said, that's fake, but whatever my blind item is, I would never reveal who the person is. So there's two things wrong with that. Number one, there would be a bunch of guesses. And within those guesses, I'm sure people would take that as fact because somebody would guess like, oh, yeah, I've heard that, too. And I've heard it's this person. And then it would immediately become fact to a lot of people. It would spread. And then that person would have to answer for something that isn't even about them. And number two, I would just be accused of teasing and what's the point of doing this, Steve, if you're never going to give us the answer? So it really didn't make any sense. But then Dumois does it, and people love it. So, I mean, go figure. I do think that Dumois does give out answers at times, but of all of them, every single blind item that they've posted, I I don't believe they do. So, yeah, there, there was a time where it crossed my mind. But, and people have asked about it, like, Would you ever, you know, spill tea like that? And I'm like, look, I could easily if let's just say I did one one a week. That's 52 a year. Right now, before even starting something like that, I could easily do two years worth of I've easily got 100 facts that I could put out there. That's dirt on contestants. Some would be uh, uh, some would be like. One contestant has two or three stories I've heard about, and I would just split those up. But I could easily have 100. I could have two years' worth. And if I started doing it, just like Dumois, I would probably be getting even more emails about stuff because they want to see it posted. So it would be very easy to do. But, you know, after everything that I went through... Last April. It it just doesn't make it just doesn't make any sense, even if I'm not revealing who the person is. And, you know, I'm sorry to even give you guys any sort of teaser about this, but I've been asked about it. And it's just not something that I care to do because people will end up getting falsely accused and will have to answer for stuff that doesn't even concern them or pertain to them. Because people will run like wildfire and take something and it'll spread like wildfire about somebody that it's not even about. And then I guarantee people will be emailing me and saying, well, is it? Is it? can you tell us, can you give us something else about that one? I think it's this person. And it just puts me in such a tough position. And it's just like, then why did you put it out there in the first place? Which is what I would get accused of. Yet, you guys would eat it up. You know you would. You'd love it. It would give you so much to talk about. It would be like the one thing every week. If you don't look forward to my column or my reader emails or my podcasts, trust me, I guarantee it would be something that every single week, oh, did you see the reality Steve blind item this week? Like, it would be big. Trust me. I'm I'm well aware. And there is a part of me that was like, at the time, like, you've got to take advantage of this. You know too much. And, and this... And, and there is an audience for this. If there wasn't an audience for it, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't even. It wouldn't even cross my mind. But knowing the success of a of a garbage site like Dumois, which doesn't even vet their stuff and just posts anything, you don't think stuff that I posted, which I know to be true, or believed to be true. Yeah, it just it can't happen. Um, but it was brought to my attention um, a few times. And I was talking about it with somebody, I'm like, you know what, I can talk about this publicly, just to let everybody know, like, it's, it's not going to happen. But yeah, I could easily, I could easily do it. It's just not something that I said, it just would cause too many problems. Too many people would be falsely accused of things, they'd have to answer to it. And um, yeah, and if I'm, and if I'm never going to ever reveal who it is, which I don't even know if I legally could, even if I believed it to be true. That would just be, it would just, I mean, why not just come out and say it like, oh, so-and-so did this. Okay. You know, which is exactly what, you know, people got in trouble. It's like, you know, they call you out for it and you get, and you get crapped on for it (laughs) yet. If I did it, people would love it. So it's a catch 22, I guess. But yeah, I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to bring that up and kind of mention it momentarily. But, um, We've got about 15 or 20 emails of yours from the last seven days or so, and some that came in over the last week that I took out of reader emails to put in this podcast, and some that came in earlier today after I put out my column and said, hey, let's get some more reader emails in for today's podcast. So without any further ado, let's get going with podcast number 272. All right, let's get going. First email. Hey, Steve. Pretty sure you're not listening to Nick's podcast, but he completely defended Sinead in his recap. He's literally the only person I've heard defend her, but it's clearly because he loves talking over his co-hosts and arguing with them. Even his guest co-hosts. It made me think of you back when you were on his podcast. Kudos to you for handling it the way you did. Thanks for the recap. I always enjoy them and your podcast, too. Look. For anyone that doesn't know what this emailer is talking about, do me a favor. Go back and listen to the podcast that I was on with him. Listen to what he was telling me his biggest problem was with me. Now listen to what he does on his podcast. Since then, I rest my case. Next email. I do have a few questions. When contestants are cut at the rose ceremony, we all know the SUV or limo ride is just for show. I was wondering, do the contestants actually get to go home right away or are they not allowed to go home for a while, like days or weeks? What about when they are traveling internationally or down to the final four or three? All right, let's handle this. This is a question that is asked a lot. It's been answered numerous times, but we'll do it again. When they're still in LA, if you get sent home at the rose ceremony, basically you leave the next day. You're on, you know, you go back to your room that night, you the mansion or no, actually you actually leave the mansion, you go to a hotel and then you leave, you know, the next day internationally or even domestically say someone gets eliminated in, you know, Houston, you know, the road ceremony that we're going to see in next week's episode. I'm already blanking on who got eliminated in Houston, but they will get taken to a different hotel. You get to go to sleep. And then you're on a plane the next day, heading home. Final four, same thing. Three, head to the location for overnights. The fourth one goes to bed, wakes up, heads home the next day. Now, the only one that's different, that doesn't go home right away, and they used to, but then it changed because spoilers were getting out, Because once people knew who the final three were, then, you know, it's about a week from the final three rose ceremony to the final one rose ceremony. Well, if the third person is seen anywhere in the United States, people knew that, Okay, well, they finished third and we know who the final two are. So basically, I think since I can't remember what season it was, I know that Caitlin had to stay in. I know that Caitlin stayed the extra week, so that's Chris Sowell's season. It probably started before that, but that's off the top of my head. That's as far back as definitely I remember that people staying. God, even Sean's season. Yeah, I think Ashley Frazier had to stay too. So, yeah, it's been a while. But basically, when you're eliminated overseas, you have to stay until the end of filming. You have to hang out with a handler, and you basically have to help them keep the secret is basically why you had to stay or else they would just send you home. So, yeah, you uh, as the final three person, you have to stay in the final location. So it's almost like you get a little get a little extra vacation for yourself. It's not like you get to go out and do a ton of stuff. But it's not like you're confined to your hotel room for those four or five days afterwards either. Uh, The second part of their question was during a one on one date. I have noticed that the contestants do not get to eat and sit there talking with the food on their plates. Are they ever allowed to eat the food or is that all for show? Yeah, you eat the food, but the reason why it's not shown is because watching people eat on television is not compelling television. They eat it when cameras aren't rolling and they let them eat and then they only show us the film stuff. uh, The stuff where they're not eating. And, you know, people say, like, I mean, this is, again, this is a question that's brought up, been brought up numerous times. Why don't these people eat? It's just like, they do eat, but why do you want to watch somebody eat? That's not good TV. Next question. I know you've been watching Joe Millionaire. Quite frankly, with, the, with how the over-the-top produced Bachelor has been this season, it feels like Joe Millionaire has given us much more bearable reality TV and is a nice break from The Bachelor's lame, cheesy antics. Not sure why The Bachelor needs to go to such extreme lengths all the time, but whatever. I could go on and on about that for hours. Anyway, really hope you decide to have more Joe Millionaire contestants on podcasts if possible. Really enjoyed the podcast with Jenny. It was amazing. Definitely would love to hear more from them, especially since the show is only an hour and we haven't gotten to know many of the ladies very well yet. I really hope there's a second season and that it's two hours next time. I can say this. After we did the interview with Steven and Kurt, Steven emailed me and really enjoyed the interview and said would love to come on again. And I said, hey, you know I, I have no idea what the spoilers are for Joe Millionaire. But I said, "Hey, at the end of the season when this is all said and done, if you do end up with somebody and you're still with her, I'd love to have you both on." So, if Steven is chose somebody and is still with her at the time this finale airs, I plan on having both of them on at the same time. And then I'll do the same uh for Kurt as well if he's with somebody. But yeah, it's 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 a different show. It's, you know, it's reality TV. There's still a lot of the same elements that we see in The Bachelor are we, we are seeing on Joe Millionaire. But the verbiage is different. And the dates seem more relaxed. And it doesn't seem so pressurized to have to tell somebody you're falling in love or be vulnerable or whatever the case may be. Even though Jenny did do that on, on her date with, with Stephen. It just didn't seem as forced, so definitely plan on having more Joe Millionaire guests on in the future. Next one: hey RS. like the other readers you have done already, like other re- jeez, I read that sentence wrong. Like other readers of yours have done already. I just wanted to thank you so much for letting us know about the current season of Joe Millionaire. I've been watching it since it began. I recall watching the preliminary seasons of it when I perceived it as a send up of the bachelor with obnoxious contestants. I'm really enjoying the heck out of the season and I'm hoping both Steven and Kurt both so likable, find good relationships at the end, regardless of the financial angle. I look forward to watching this show more so than the bachelor now because it does seem more organic and does a terrific job of condensing all we know and enjoy about the bachelor into one hour a night instead of two. Are you still enjoying Joe millionaire yourself? Oh, Absolutely. Um, I've, I watch it obviously every week and I'll give my thoughts on it on Twitter, regardless of if I'm collabing with them that week. But yeah, it's, it's great. I really, really like it. And I, I'm curious to see where it goes with Curt and Steve about this season of the bachelor meh. We got totally overdosed on Shanae the past couple episodes. I'm looking forward to seeing how she gets excused by Clayton and her reaction to it. I'm sure she will be unrelenting in the hot seat of Women Tell All too. I hope we don't have to see her or Cassidy on Bachelor in Paradise. Well, <laughs> um You know, Bachelor in Paradise hasn't filmed till June. They don't start really recruiting people until April or May. You know, they put feelers out and basically they ask anybody once they are eliminated from the show. Like, Hey, would you be interested in paradise? But you can only have a certain amount. So I think, I, I mean, look, as much as we dislike them and we, as much as we dislike the characters that they play on this show, could I see both of them doing it? Sure. Because they're going to want more TV time and they're going to want, and the show itself is going to want to do the whole dramatic music Of bringing Chane down the stairs when you know Genevieve is already on the beach or Elizabeth is already on the beach, like you can already see, you already you can already you can already play production producer right now of how that's going to play out. Genevieve and Elizabeth will be down on the beach; they'll be having a good time. They'll probably even make a comment like, "Oh my God, so glad you know who is in here." And then the very next scene, you'll see some legs walking down the steps, and it's going to be Sinead. like. It's so easy to produce this show, but yeah, I mean, you can, that's what they're here for to provide uncomfortable moments. And Shanae would provide an uncomfortable moment showing up on the beach in a place where everybody there is not going to be a fan of her. So at least the women. Next question. Not really a question. (laughs) Well, that answers that. But just an opinion weighing in on the Sinead saga and producer involvement. I'm so glad you called it out that the producers absolutely carry some responsibility for not only allowing it, but seemingly promoting it for Sinead to bully and make fun of Elizabeth. Being a neuro atypical is absolutely not something anyone should make fun of or be bullied for. Yet the producers seem to not only let it go, but propagate it for a storyline. I wonder if someone had poked at Abigail for her hearing loss on Matt James season if they would have received the same screen time or if they would have promoted that storyline. Anyway, thanks for calling it out. Producers hold as much responsibility in my eyes as Shanae. So you bring up an instance from Matt's season where somebody that had a clear hearing disability and you're saying, well, what if somebody made fun of Abigail for that? Would they be promoted or would it be talked about? You know, i it, it's hard to say because in my mind, I can't even go there that someone would be, would be that vile and that disgusting and go that low to make fun of Abigail's hearing loss. But if they did, maybe they would do it, you know, not thinking they were on camera or something like that. Like Cassidy got caught not thinking she was mic'd or on camera or whatever the case may be. The only thing I can bring, the only thing I can relate it to, is the season of Bachelor in Paradise, where Chad Johnson, bad Chad, remember he called Sarah Heron like a one armed bitch. Like that's equally as disturbing as saying something about Abigail's hearing, and they aired that of Chad. So I guess you could say, yeah, if somebody went that low, maybe the show would call them out and it because that's what the person did i mean when they when they show that about chad i mean that was about as that was probably the worst insult anybody has ever given in the history of the show about another contestant like contestant uncontestant, crime that was bad but then look who you're dealing with chad freaking johnson Hey, Steve, is there any chance that Shanae was paid to be the villain given that her villainy is the one of the most extreme behaviors we've ever, we've ever seen? I also wonder if she's been coached to act like that, to deliberately stir up trouble and drama for good TV. I'm enjoying this season more than I thought I would. Definitely can't wait to see who gets the final rose. Thank you for the spoilers. I've been following you for a while. This idea of paying contestants or producer plants. No. No. Sinead's not being paid to say these things. I just think that having spoken to enough contestants, because I can't speak on this personally because I've never been a contestant on the show, but I've spoken to enough in the past to know that when a producer has befriended you and when a producer has gotten you to open up about some of the most darkest or vulnerable or intimate moments in your life, You almost feel some sort of kinship toward them to where you don't want to let them down. And if they're asking for something, you just do it. Now, there have been extremes, and I've definitely heard this from contestants, where producers have quote-unquote bullied people to say and do certain things. And when I say bully, I mean tell them they're not going to let them go to bed until they give them the line that they want. Tell them they're going to withhold food from them, and you're not going to eat until you give us what we need. You give us this soundbite. So while you say, does she need to be paid to do this? The answer is no. She's not being paid to act like that. I just think that Shanae is someone who was easily producible, and that's what we're getting to see. Next question. Hey, Steve. I don't really have a question. <laughs> it's like second time I say next question, and the first sentence is, yeah, I don't have a question. Just wanted to say something. Um, a little bum that you don't have the winner yet. I prefer watching it knowing the spoilers. I guess I'm just a hopeless romantic, but I just love watching the love story unfold, no matter how unrealistic it is. I just can't get into the season, but it could be for other reasons. Annoying, mind-numbing drama comes to mind first. Okay, I, I, have, a, I have a... um question about your statement you love watching the love story unfold no matter how unrealistic it is but if the love story is unrealistic then it's not a love story so what are you falling in love with it about like that's confusing to me and if you're watching the show for a love story i mean i've said it for years you're watching the wrong show the show isn't about a love story it's just not. So, I mean, maybe I guess maybe you're saying I'm just I like that moment at the end, whether or not I believe these two are going to be married for 70 years or not. I just like that moment at the end where he proposes to her, whether it's the bachelor or the bachelorette. OK, I mean, I, I you know, to each their own, I, I certainly don't. Give a shit about it myself, but if you do, tweets their own. In terms of not having the winner yet, and it's a bummer. Like, yeah, I mean, I would like to have it by now, and you know, I thought I would, and I mentioned this. I can't remember if I mentioned this on last week's podcast or maybe it was in the column. There's probably a good chance I'm going to have the winner this season before I announce before I have what the breakdown is of the final three. I don't have it yet, but I just think it's going to be a lot tougher to find out what happens in Iceland than just find out who Clayton chose. So like I said, because you know, since the filming has ended, I've heard, you know, at some point or another, I've heard all three women. Oh, he's with Gabby. Oh, he's with Rachel. Oh, he's with Susie. It's like, okay, he's obviously not with all three. So two of you are wrong, (laughs) you know, and it's just trying to determine based on that, what the information that was given, it's like, okay, who's saying it to me? How do they even know the information they're telling me? And then you just kind of go down a laundry list of questions. And I just haven't gotten to that point where I feel confident enough in saying that, yeah, he, he definitely chose this person. So next one, many times in the last few seasons, there has been some fan backlash over bullying within the house and how some fans are sick of the show continuously producing it this way. I'm curious what it might take to get them to seriously quit with the girl on girl crime, the perpetuating narrative that a group of girls can't get along and there has to be a villain and there must be drama. I know they don't like to mess with the formula, but I'm sure Chris Harrison is still scratching his head about them going away from him. I know there are viewers who like the Jerry Springer side of it too, but I wonder who makes big decisions like making such a cheese fest and girl drama. Holy lack of anything interesting if shrimp kept coming up. You know, it's it's just, here we are, 46 seasons in, and they have a formula that works. And they know it works, or else it wouldn't be on the show, it wouldn't be on the air for 19 years and 46 seasons. And people can complain all they want about Shanae. And people can complain all they want about Shrimp Gate. And people can complain all they want about any past villain of this season. But I'm sorry. The Bachelor or Bachelorette would not be on the air for 19 years and 46 seasons if everybody in the house got along every episode. It just wouldn't. That's not compelling television at all. Be honest with yourself. I'm sure a lot of you listening to this right now that watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette I'm sure plenty of you have seen the Real Housewives franchise, right? No matter what city it is, it doesn't matter. I'm sure there are some of you, not saying all, I'm sure there are some of you that watch the Real Housewives franchise for the fashion and you like seeing the extravagant lifestyles of some of these women. But would the show be nearly as intriguing to you if all of them got along and there was never any drama and there wasn't any cattiness and Lisa Reno wasn't being accused of this and Brandy Glenville wasn't being accused of that. That's what fuels those shows. So I know it's the same for The Bachelor. Now you might say what we're seeing isn't compelling either. Fine. That's a different argument to make, but I'm telling you if it was Peaches and daffodils every single episode and every girl got along and there was never any sniping and there was never any cattiness and everybody was happy about everybody else getting dates. You'd be like, this is so boring. I, I, trust me, I, maybe it's hard for the, re, uh, the viewer to see that because you would have, you've never gotten a season like that in 46 seasons. You've never gotten a season where there wasn't drama. So I'm just telling you, knowing the audience reaction that I get every single season and the emails that I deal with and the DMs that I get and the people that contact me, while I know they complain sometimes about the drama aspect of the show, I know for a fact they would be bored to tears if everybody got along and there was no drama. You just would. So I, I don't know what to say. The girl on girl crime. Yeah. Yeah. It's perpetuated by the producers. The producers love the girl on girl crime. The producers incite girl on girl crime on this show. They want girls talking shit about other women in the house. But you know what? As viewers, we don't get to see those questions. We just get to see the girl in an ITM in a room by herself, giving her opinions on someone else in the house. Why do you think that girl is giving an opinion on somebody else in the house that might not be very positive? Because a producer had just asked her, hey, does it really bother you when Shanae does this? Or, hey, Shanae, what did you really think of when Elizabeth talked about that? Didn't that really kind of get under your skin? And then all they're doing is like, boom, hit record, Sinead goes off, and we've got our soundbite. That's how it works. Next one. Hey, Steve sure you're getting plenty of Shanae emails. Yeah, you can say that. But I have a question. Despite her behavior, do you think it's a little low for the show to constantly be showing her eating? They had that group date with Caitlin last week where body image and weight shaming was a big focus, then later did a shrimp count tally with Shanae, along with more random footage of her eating this week. It just seems like a little unnecessary to me because obviously everyone there eats, but they just usually don't show it whenever they do. It's always edited in a negative or unflattering way. Think Chad, Christian with the scallops, et cetera. You know, I, I never thought of it that way with Sinead. I don't think, but you're the first person to bring this up. So this is very new to me. I guess I just don't look at it that way. I, when I'm looking at Shanae eating, I'm like, I'm not looking at it like, wow, she sure is a pig. Like I, it, it never crossed my mind the shrimp count was on the TV as kind of a funny thing, not like, wow, look at how many she can eat. That's why she's so big. Because nothing around the shrimp count has led to any storyline about Shanae's weight. So if it did, then I could totally understand why you would have a problem with the shrimp count if people were making fun of Shanae's weight or something, but they're not, that's never even been a topic at all. And yes, everybody eats, but you know, if we're not going to make fun of Chad eating a bunch of lunch meat and we're not going to make, and the scallops thing with Kristen, again, it wasn't a, she eats scallops and that's why she's this certain way. It was, it was humorous, but I don't know. I, I remember I had Kristen on, and I think that she just got bothered by everything that she was known for was scallops, but not because of a weight thing. It was just more of a humor thing. And I think, it, put it this way, if you ask Shanae what her problem was with this season, watching it back, I don't think it would be like, you know what, it really bothered, the the, the biggest thing that bothered me was how much they showed me eating. I don't know. I mean, I'm answering for Shanae there. Maybe I'm totally off base. But, I don't think that that's it because there hasn't been a storyline surrounding her weight, nor should there be. There's nothing wrong with Shanae's weight. So I. it's the first time anyone's brought this up. I certainly haven't looked at it that way because there hasn't been a storyline around it. But yes, if there was something, if there was like whispers in the house and that when, when we hear the girls talking about Shanae they're commenting on her weight like oh she's gaining weight or she's getting bigger and then they showed all the scenes of her eating yes that would be a major issue but i don't think this show would ever ever stoop to that level like for even this show's standards that would be totally crossing the line and they would get so much so much shit for that so yeah i don't i don't see that but that's a good question it's thought provoking at least and that's what i like to get in reader emails. Next one. How interested do you think production is in having their lead find happiness? You think they care or a realist who think the relationship with the one chosen probably won't work out anyway? I'm thinking about a situation like the one with Shanae. If she were to make it far into the show, say before hometowns, would production give a warning to the lead about what they know from ITMs and other taping so that the lead might make an informed decision? No, they wouldn't. And no, I don't think they care about the happiness of the final couple. I think they would just like a final couple because it gives some sort of payoff to an audience that is dedicated 11 weeks to a show. They do want to see at the end some sort of presentation of a ring and an engagement, regardless of if anybody thinks it's going to last or not, because if it's just you get to the end And, you know, that's the other thing we've talked about in the past of why can't these people just date in the future? Why does it have to be this end-all, be-all of you have to be ready to be engaged at the end of this thing? And again, just like I say, I don't think people would watch this show if everybody got along and there was no drama. It would be the most boring show on television. The same goes for if every season ended with someone saying, you know what? Let's keep dating. I just There's no... There's nothing really romantic about that. And that's what the show is trying to produce. Romance. And they're trying to sell you on that. Even though we know it's not about that, they're trying to sell you that it is. And by doing so, they're presenting this ring at the end, which is like the thing that you have to capture to win the game of The Bachelor, if you want to take the Game of Roses definitions literally. So, yeah. It would just not be, the payoff would not be nearly what it is. If at the end, Clayton is just like, Hey, I choose you. I really like you. Let's keep dating. Because technically, if you're not going to put some sort of finality on it of let's get engaged, then I think most of the leads would be like, yeah, I'd like to continue dating more than one person because I really like them both. So it's like the ring is forcing them to make a decision. And so I, yeah, I don't think the show cares just as long as they get kind of what they're looking for. And it's why we haven't seen many seasons that ended in just a, Hey, let's keep dating. Juan Pablo did it. Colton did it. And Matt did it. That's three in the last, you know, I can't remember who before that didn't get engaged, but every bachelorette's gotten engaged. All 17 of them, Was it 17 or 18. I think it's uh, what is it? I'm looking here. Hold on. Um, it is what eighteen? Yeah, Michelle was bachelorette eighteen. So I guess technically nineteen because Tasha and Claire were two in season sixteen. So there's been nineteen women who had the bachelorette role that got engaged at the end. Oh wait, Jen chef didn't. So 18 of the 19 women got engaged. Everyone else got engaged. Bachelors, different story. Cause in the beginning of the show, it was more of a, it wasn't this finality of getting engaged and getting a ring, but in recent seasons. Yeah. Um, Juan Pablo, Colton and Matt since 2000, what nine? Yeah, Since, since 2009 was Jason season. And even before Jason's season, that's where my memory kind of goes a little sketchy. But starting at Jason's season, which aired in 2009, um, or did he, air, he, did he film in 9 and air in 10? Whatever the case may be. From Jason Mesnick's seasons on, there have only been three Bachelors that didn't get engaged at the end. And I just told you those three a couple times. Before that, there were definitely engagements, but not all of them. I just don't know them off the top of my head, and I don't feel like looking them up next one this is kind of long but I, th- I think it's definitely important hey steve just finished reading your post from today about people on social media sending death threats etc to the season's villain shanae and it made me think about the recent death a former miss usa chesley christ who died by suicide by the way the correct way to refer to this is died by suicide as opposed to committed suicide as a woman of color a black woman This really bothered me because as a former pageant queen myself from years ago, Chesley really was the epitome of Miss USA. Strong, educated, gorgeous, well-liked, just seemed like an overall good person on the outside. Turns out, despite all that, she still never felt good enough and experienced incessant bullying from social media trolls. So much so that ending her life seemed like a better option than dealing with all of her mental health struggles, which seemingly stemmed from social media and strangers' opinions about her. This also reminded me Of the former Bachelor contestant, I think her name was Gia, who also took her own life several years ago. I guess I don't really have a question for you, just more of a comment that I really appreciate you calling this behavior out in your posts, even though we know the trolls will probably never stop and the show won't do anything about it. Remember when Rachel Lindsay spoke on the hate she received in which the show, in my opinion, did a poor job of addressing it. I can't remember if it was a special episode or what it was. Maybe it was during Matt's season. It was when they had mostly all the women of color speaking about the hate they got online. Anyway, I appreciate you always addressing this and at least doing your part to help try minimize the random trolls online from bullying people in the public eye, especially when you have said for years that this show does the same thing every single season and don't seem to care about the after effects the contestants experience once their 15 minutes is up. Very good email, and I want to talk about it. I... And, I, you know, I don't follow the pageant world very much unless these contestants, you know, become on the show. And then, you know, you kind of hear stuff here and there. I don't I, you know, when when Chesley Crist was named Miss USA, I remember seeing it in the headlines. But it wasn't until seeing all the headlines for the recent tragedy that I was like, oh, yeah, her. That. She, oh, yes. Yeah, I remember her being the winner. Because once they win, I mean, unless you're in the pageant world and following them or following them on social media, I I had no idea what was going on in her life. But it has been really tough reading the stuff since then because she has posted stuff in the past about people commenting about just you aren't good-looking enough to be the crown, the winner, and her look being too manly to be a Miss USA representative. I'm just just awful awful stuff that yeah it's it's uh, it it's crazy to think that a miss usa winner of this isn't like someone who won 10 years ago this was 2019 that it got to a point where it got so bad for her that she thought taking her own life was a better option and that's sad to hear i it seems like there were people within this bachelor franchise that either knew chesley in a pageant relationship or even maybe we're friends with her. I know. I think I saw that Susie posted something. I saw that Kaylin posted something. I saw that Alea posted something, all women in the pageant world. And yeah, I mean, I know that pageant women are picked apart and you talk about toxic bachelor nation. There is definitely toxic pageant nation out there that I was made well aware of. Back when, you know, we were having a lot of the pageant contestants on the show and what they deal with and the message boards that are dedicated just to pageants and the way that these people tear down these women for how they look. And we're talking about every minuscule part of their body being torn apart by trolls online. And like this emailer just said, I feel like a broken record every season now because We know it happens every season and you can tell these contestants that are about to be on the next season and the season after and the season after just know what you're getting into. And it's not all daffodils and rainbows before I used his before I used peaches and daffodils. Now I said daffodils and rainbows go figure, but no, this show is not all that anymore. And there is a very, 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 very dark underworld of Shitty people who go out of their way to make the lives of these contestants miserable by just DMing them or saying negative things on their comment section or posting on a message board and as a nameless, faceless person that they know it will eventually get back to the person that they're talking about. What can you do? I mean, I've said it for years that anybody who does something like that publicly should have their social media account suspended and taken away from them. But because it's going on so incessantly, it's just, it's impossible for Instagram to police every negative comment said. And maybe some are worse than others and some, you know, violate our terms of service. It's way too much. It's happening way too often. And yet there really isn't anything you can do. You can say it until you're blue in the face. Stop sending death threats. Stop calling people names online. And it goes in one ear out the other. If someone is that much of a troll, me saying it or an emailer saying it, or even a person of power saying it, a celebrity saying it, if someone's that much of a troll, they're not going to listen. They don't care. Their whole objective is to try and get a rise out of people and to try and bring down somebody that has a life that is probably 100 times better than their sad, pathetic life. It sucks. You know, as much criticism and I I had always um, released in the past in my columns about contestants, and yeah, there was a period where I was, I wasn't ever calling them names, but I was pointing out physical feature stuff. And I got away from that because I realized this is not, what, what am I getting out of this? Yeah, I'm doing, I, you know, we've been over this a hundred times. There was a time and a place where it was just accepted that blogs and celebrity entertainment sites, it was accepted to go after and objectify and criticize women's looks and stuff like that. Doesn't excuse it at all, but it was accepted. And I just, I just ended up getting away from it because I realized this doesn't do me any good. So you haven't seen me ever say anything like that in probably three or four years. It's been a while, and I'm and I don't plan on like all of a sudden just starting that back up. It's not going to happen. But it's one of these things where, gosh, like I see that story. I didn't. I know. I didn't know Chesley at all. I didn't follow her on Instagram. Know nothing about her life. But seeing more about her life after she died by suicide, I it sucks to read because she was putting it out there. Some of this, she was like literally quoting some of the things that were being said to her and about her. It just was awful. So yeah. And the worst part is there really isn't much of a solution. You know, you can report accounts all you want. They'll just start up a new one. They'll create a new email address and create a new account and troll somebody to tell them how ugly they are or how fat they are or how disgusting they are. I and mean, that's what trolls do. That's why I've never I've never ever ever respected any sort of message board, any sort of forum, stuff like that because it's it's so easy to say something behind a nameless and faceless account. Everything I've ever said and done has been under me. Reality Steve, Steve Carbone. Attribute it to me. Come after me. These other people, you can't go after them because they're nameless, faceless losers. Next one. This one dives into sports, which is probably good segue just to get out of something so heavy. Hey, Steve, I know your job is to spoil the Bachelor and post bachelor content, but I've also enjoyed reading your sports opinions. That being said, what are your thoughts on Tom Brady retiring? Do you think he will sign a one-day contract with the Patriots as rumored? Do you think he snubbed The Belichick craft, New England on purpose, us New Englanders were pretty upset to be left out of his retirement announcement yesterday, and I personally can't believe he wouldn't even mention the 20 years he spent up here with us at the end of his career. As for a bachelor-related question, well, we'll get to that in a second. The Brady stuff was weird. Not that he's retiring. It's not far-fetched to think that a 44-year-old guy who's played 22 years in the league decided to call it quits. I'm fine with that. It was rumored that that was going to be it for him. So didn't have an issue with it. What was weird was, yeah, on a very well thought out nine paragraph Instagram post, how he never once mentioned the team he spent 20 years with, never mentioned the coach, Bill Belichick, never mentioned the owner, Robert Kraft, never mentioned the organization once in nine paragraphs, yet he mentioned everybody seemingly involved in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization, which I'm sure they treated him great, but that was surprising. Now, once Robert Kraft released a statement, Brady retweeted, I'm sure he saw all the hate he was getting for not even mentioning New England and the fans and and the teammates or whatever, and he took Robert Kraft's tweet thanking him for his years in New England and quote tweeted it and said, you know, New England, you're thank you for all the years and stuff like that. But it seemed like he only did that because he was taking so much heat for how do you not even bring us up in a nine paragraph retirement post. So yeah, it was weird. I don't know if it was a snub. It seemed like it was because I. it's not like Brady just released one paragraph and just couldn't and never snuck anybody into it. Like he went out of his way to thank everybody in Tampa and nobody having to do with the Patriots organization. So it was surprising, but I don't know why his, I don't know what his beef is with them. I mean, I'm sure he would have loved to end his career in new England. And then, you know, there are stories all the time about him and Belichick butted heads a lot more than what was ever shown. But to the point to not even thank them after a 22 year career and 20 of them spent in that city. Yeah. A little surprising. As for Bachelor Day question in the light of our most recent villain, Sinead, Who do you think is the best or most entertaining villain of the Bachelorette seasons you have spoiled? Courtney Robertson, probably. Who's entertaining? Also, I know you've mentioned Chris Harrison, other production members, as dream interviewees in the past. But who is your dream contestant to interview? Honestly, I don't have one. I don't have a dream like, oh my God, if I could get this person, because if I could get them, they would have been on by now. And, you know, you just look at any of your, I mean, go over any of the bachelorette leads that I've never had on. Rachel, Becca, Emily, Ashley, Katie, Michelle, I put all of them on, but they're never going to come on with me. So it's like, I wouldn't say one of them is, is so much better than the other. I'd like to talk to any of them, but it's just not going to happen. So can't really call it a dream contestant. Next one. First, I thought I'd pile on with the Shanae commentary. In my opinion, if she never said what she did about Elizabeth regarding her mental health issues, I would have seen her as more of a general villain on the season. Shrimpgate and some of her other commentary in her ITMs is kind of entertaining to me, reminding me of Corinne, Demi, etc. Do you agree? Would you have had as much of a problem with her if the Elizabeth comments never happened? I mean, probably not. It would have been just more, God, she's just annoying. And she still is annoying. But yeah, bringing up and harping on the ADHD stuff, not cool. And it does make her seem very cold and callous and a horrible person. It's the way she's coming across. Again, don't know her personally. Clearly other people in her camp have reached out to me long before the show started airing. Of course they're going to defend her. But then again, you have the other side where people that do know her said before the season even started filming. Oh, my God, I know that girl. I would not be surprised if she's this season's villain. And then she ends up being the villain. Like, I don't that's not coincidental. Those people just didn't take a stab out of the air because, as I said in my column yesterday or on Tuesday, you know who I didn't get emails about saying, you know what? I think she might be the villain. Eliza. Sierra. Sierra. Rachel, Susie, Gabby, Lindsay, Jill. I mean, the list goes on. There were two women this season that when the cast was announced on September 25th, filming didn't start till September 29th. I can't tell you which day it was, but it was between the 25th and the 29th, probably on the 25th, because that's when the names were getting out there and I was posting all of them. I got two women where I would say a majority of the hey, I know that girl, this is what I can say about them, comments were negative, were Sinead and Cassidy. It's just, it's not coincidental. I know you will share how Clayton season ends as soon as you have the proof you need. I thought there's been a season or two in the past where the finale was coming up and you still didn't have solid proof. Do you plan to share with us what you're hearing if we end up getting to the final three and you still haven't spoiled the ending yet, or do you fully expect to know before then? Uh, My answer to both of those questions would be, I don't know. I don't know if I plan to share what I'm hearing and I don't know if I fully expect to know before then. So it's really tough. I'm not sure. Finally, I'm a Marquette University grad. I've been really excited watching our basketball team this year. It's Shaka, Shaka Smart's first year with the team. I think they're doing way better than anyone expected. Number 17 versus Providence just squashed their seven-game winning streak, but they've been winning against numerous top 25 teams and are still number 24 themselves. It seems like the teams you bet on end up winning, so want to bet on Marquette in the NCAA tournament. Um, good points. Marquette is playing their best ball in the last month. As far as betting on men in the NCAA tournament, I'm not going to say that now because I don't know who they're playing yet. NCAA tournament is all about matchups and who they're playing, where they're seated, what location they're in. There's a lot of factors involved. Is Marquette going to win the national championship this year? No, they're not going to. But can they win a few games in the tournament? Absolutely. By the way, they're playing right now. I just hope they haven't peaked in January. You know, they didn't get off to the greatest of starts, and then they had, a, I think, a seven-game winning streak, and now we're heading into February. So let's hope they, you know, keep it up. By the time you all hear this, they will have already played Villanova tonight, and that's another big win or another big game. They beat Villanova, I think, two weeks ago in, in Philadelphia. So if you can sweep Villanova, and win that series against them this year definitely looks good for their resume but yeah they are a team i definitely have my eye on as a first round matchup that i don't know how much the public knows about them therefore they might be get, get a favorable line in whoever they play so they're definitely a team i have my eye on um i always liked shaka smart at vcu he really i was shocked that he didn't do well at texas I can't believe that he never won a tournament game there after all the success at VCU surprise that he left Texas for Marquette was, that was definitely interesting, but uh, I'm going to watch the game tonight and we'll see. It all depends on the matchup when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Last couple here. Um, we got two left. Um, Or three? No. A few questions I came up with. If you had to attend the wedding of a Bachelor Nation couple, they don't necessarily both have to be from Bachelor Nation, which one would you choose? One that hasn't tied the knot? Or one that hasn't tied the knot? Mine would be Leslie Murphy and her guy. They seem sweet, and I'm jealous of all their travel. Well, off the top of my head, I just I, I, if you get if I was looking at a list of the couples who are still together but haven't gotten married yet, if that's what you're saying, I have to choose one of those to go to. I could probably choose one, but I, I, you know, you brought up Leslie and her guy. Um, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head right now. Well, I mean, I guess you know, Katie and John, um, uh, Michelle and Nate. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I I'd have to see a full list of everybody and probably give you a better answer. If you had to live in a house for a summer with ten people from Bachelor Nation, five male, five female, who would you choose? doesn't necessarily mean who you like the most, more so who you would have the most fun with, be entertained by. Mine would be Michelle Money, Emily Maynard, Tia Booth, Tasha Adams, Michelle Young. For the men, Sean Lowe, Wells, Jordan Kemble, Noah, and Joe Park. I mean, there's over 1,000 people that have appeared on the show over the course of 46 seasons. I could not name it five without taking up a ton of time right now And yeah, that's a tough one to answer of just, Hey, give me five women and five guys you'd want to hang out with from this show. Honestly, I don't want to spend a summer with 10 people from bachelor nation. It doesn't interest me in like the least bit. Oh, that might be like, that might be like torture. I know you said you don't eat much at home, but favorite meal to make at home. Um, heating up mac and cheese, Kraft mac and cheese, (laughs) The little cups, those are great. Great snack. Do you watch the Olympics? If so, favorite winter and summer sport to watch? Summer sport is probably either track and field or basketball. And winter Olympics, I can't say I've ever really gotten into because I know absolutely nothing about the winter Olympics in terms of the competitors themselves. I just, you know, it's like go USA. And, you know, you, you like to see good stories and you like to see um, USA do well, but I don't know any of the people on it, so it's so hard to get into. Hi, Steve, longtime bachelor franchise and fan and longtime reader. Truly appreciate what you do and all the spoilers you bring us. Couple questions. One, there's a video Taysha has posted on her Instagram. It's of her working out in what looks like her Manhattan apartment on a machine called Tonal. The content section is everyone reacting to the men's shoe collection in the room she's working out and people are assuming her and Zach are probably back together. Have you heard any rumors about that possible reconciliation? No. That doesn't mean it hasn't happened. It's just I haven't heard anything about Tasha. Rachel's book has been published, and I was wondering if you read it or heard anyone say it has a lot of details about her time in Bachelor Franchise and maybe some juicy details about the show. Um, No, I, I read the recap that Us Weekly posted, which was basically just taking the top 10 things they took from it that were bachelor nation related. And it definitely seemed interesting. I would, I would Google that Google Rachel Lindsay book us magazine and, uh, and click on that link. Cause that basically just gives you a summary of what she said about certain things within the franchise. Although I don't think it's a lot of stuff that Rachel hadn't said before. There wasn't anything really new in there that I hadn't heard her say on podcasts or interviews before. So I'm not saying don't go buy the book or it sucks or anything. I'm just saying that when I read the recap that us weekly gave of the 10 things they took from the book, I had known all of those because I had heard her say it numerous times. Um, And then the final question in this email, I know you went through a lot with all the Demi stuff and all those tweets and how you've changed your sharing of information. As much as I still enjoy your writing, I'm still in shock on how everything quickly turned on you, especially with all those contestants coming for you as if, At one point, they weren't trying to get you to mention them or have them on your podcast. My thing is, you go on a show and you have all these skeletons, then get angry when it's shared. You choose to be in the entertainment industry, but don't want us entertained. Just baffles me. Just wanted to let you know we appreciate you and really enjoy your content. Preaching to the choir. A few random questions for your podcast. One. It was interesting to see Clayton and ask Rachel her last name on their date. Do you know when the lead usually asks questions about last name, age, or birthday? I've been wondering for years why this isn't shown. Do you know if anyone has ever made it to the finale and the lead did not know their full name or age? It's a good point that you made because when I did see that, I was like, wow, this is something we really never see, him asking. I'm sure every, well, I know for a fact, every lead, especially when they get down to the end, knows the last name of the person that they're getting engaged to, for sure. We just never see it. We never see them ask, Hey what's your last name, by the way? How old are you? It's just it's not something you rarely ever see. Um did Clayton ask or did Rachel just offer it up? Did he ask? I think yeah, he I guess he did ask in a roundabout way, or maybe he directly asked. I don't remember. I remember her saying, My name's Rachel something recchia I think it was an E, Elaine? Eleanor? <laughs> I know I keep trying to guess when I'm never going to get the answer. Um, but yeah, we don't, we don't really see that, but does it happen? Of course it does. Cause you, you're just not going to get engaged to somebody, your, your name. Hey, your name's Beth. Okay. Thanks. I don't want to know anything else. I don't want to know anything about where your family, your last name, how old you are, where you're from. Like, no, I just, I'll just, you're Beth to me all season. No, they all know, but it's just so kind of irrelevant to show how they know that that's why this one was so surprising that it was left in. And the second part of this was, I remember last year at this time you and basically everyone else was confident. We'd see Ben Smith in paradise. He said recently he was never even asked. Have you had any idea or heard any rumblings as to why this was? No, I, um, I don't know. I don't know anything about Ben Smith really when it comes to that. Don't know why he wasn't on Paradise. And final question. Another reader email for you for this week's podcast. I believe Ari, may have been a different lead, but pretty sure it was a man, said in an interview podcast once that production will make deals with you as the lead. If you keep this person around, then we'll give you an hour of time with the person you really like at the next cocktail party, group date, etc. Do we think there's any chance that happened for week three in the sense that if keep Shanae over Elizabeth, you could have your one-on-one next week be with Rachel? Or do we think he just picked Shanae because he had a stronger connection, a.k.a. physical attraction to her over Elizabeth? Look, it's very clear that Clayton was nudged, told to, highly suggested in keeping Shanae on the show. Because... His Instagram post basically admitted, "If I knew what I knew, I wouldn't have kept her." So clearly, he kept her around. Yeah, maybe because he didn't know certain things. But as I brought up yesterday, we did see the women at the after party after the football group date in Houston tell him. It was like, it was like short clip, short clip, short clip in a row. Three straight women sitting on the couch with him, as you know, you have the background music of Shanae walking over from the hotel. We heard three different women tell him. That Shanae is not a good person, and you know, not here for the right reasons, and she's really a cancer in the house. I don't think that was the phrase, but you know what I'm saying. So he was warned, and yet he still kept her. And then when she showed up that night, he literally, you know, in a mini skirt, props her up on a bar, and starts making out with her. So while I appreciated Clayton saying something, the more I read into that the more I'm like, but you did know you were told the only thing he didn't know about was what she was saying in the ITMs, flaunting her rose, talking about how she tricked him, that stuff he didn't see until it airs. But he was warned about her behavior by numerous women. And if he wants to sit behind, I thought it was just petty drama. Again, it seems like they were telling him more than this isn't just heady drama and we don't like her we don't like her for a reason so i don't know if clayton's hiding behind the edit because we've never been and when i say him hiding behind the edit what i'm trying to say is that as far as i can remember in the first four episodes we've never seen anyone or maybe we did see someone tell him like he made fun of elizabeth's adhd like if that isn't a big enough sign for you clayton Because he's saying, if I knew then what I knew now, she would have been gone. It seems like he did. And now he's just trying to backtrack? I don't know. He's definitely going to have some stuff to talk about at the Women Tell All, for sure. And I'm curious to see what he says. I'm curious to see what Shanae says. But we'll uh, we'll cross-breath cross that bridge when we come to it but anyway thank you all for listening uh that'll do it for this week's podcast please rate subscribe and review an apple podcast it is much appreciated we'll be back next week with our guest who had to postpone and definitely somebody who is a known name in this franchise has had a lot go on in her life since we last had her on should be a a good interview. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you all enjoy it next week. And you know, we'll keep trucking along here on the Reality Steve podcast. Thank you all for the emails during the week and uh, the ones that got it in ever since today's column went up because it added uh, a lot towards the end of these emails were the ones I think the last, I think the last seven or eight emails that I read today were were ones that were sent in earlier today. So I appreciate that. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And we will talk to you next week. See you.